Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The reading today can be found on page 1097 of the Pew Bibles. It's from John, starting at chapter 18, verse 28 finishing at John chapter 19, verse 16, and that's page 1097. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With that he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. But Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out for you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and the officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, 
I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where'd you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out, out and sat down on the judge's seat in, at a place known as the Stone's Pavement, which, is, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Linda. Let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage together, help us to understand what it cost Jesus to be obedient to his Father. Because we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's all hotting up now. Jesus has been arrested. He's been taken by the Jewish religious leaders to Annas, a former high priest, He's questioned him and in turn passed him over to Caiaphas, the current high priest. And Luke in his gospel account tells us that Jesus has also been to the Sanhedrin, the chief priests and teachers of the law. And they pronounced Jesus guilty without even the suggestion of a fair trial. Now, early in the morning, the religious leaders have brought Jesus along to the headquarters of Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, why? Why did Pilate have to get involved at all? Well, to understand this, we need to consider in turn the role and the motivation of the three main groups or people, or the people themselves in this affair, the Jewish religious leaders, Pilate, and Jesus himself. First of all, let's think about the Jewish religious leaders. They, they'd only got one motivation at this particular stage, and that is to make sure that Jesus disappeared and never came back. He'd become an increasing threat to them during his three years of ministry, and there were various reasons for this. I mean, first of all, to many people, his ministry had much more authority than that of the Jewish leaders, and accordingly, he was attracting large crowds, who were leading uh, the people away from the intense legalism that lay at the heart of Jewish teaching. 
And he was pointing out where the religious leaders were acting in a hypocritical fashion. I mean, that hadn't gone down well. Uh, it very rarely does. And then he talked about destroying their precious temple that lay at the heart of their faith and rebuilding it in three days. And then worst of all, he'd been claiming to be the son of God. Now, that's blasphemy. You're just not allowed to do that. Uh, the penalty for that is death. But there's a problem here because the Jews weren't allowed to enforce the death penalty. Only the governing Romans were allowed to do that. I know on occasions the, the Jews took things into their own hands. We think of the stoning of Stephen where the Romans turned a blind eye to what was happening. But in such a high-profile case as Jesus, they couldn't possibly do that. And they had to persuade the Romans to do it. So off they trooped the Roman governor, Pilate. But here's the next problem. Scribal law says that the dwelling places of Gentiles are unclean. Now, this was Passover week. And if you're going to take part in the Passover celebrations, you've got to be ceremonially clean. And so they couldn't go into Pilate's house because of that would have made them unclean. But Pilate's done them a favor here. He, he comes out of his house to meet them. But they are then faced with their next hurdle. They knew that Pilate wasn't interested in getting involved in an internal Jewish religious dispute. So they make up a false charge. Luke tells us that they said, we found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, a king. There, Pilate, you can't ignore that. Non-payment of taxes to Caesar, well, that's an offense against the Romans. And that's where these religious leaders were coming from. Kill Jesus, no matter how many lies you've got to tell to get that done. So what do we know about Pilate? Well, in AD 26, he'd been appointed by the emperor Tiberius Caesar to be procurator of Judea. And that gave him a considerable power. He was in full control of the province, including being in charge of the army of occupation. And I think it's fair to say that he had the greatest contempt for the Jews. He upset them when he was first appointed by putting up Roman standards all around the city of Jerusalem, something his predecessors had been terribly careful not to do. And he'd also taken some of the temple funds and used them for civic purposes. It does seem that he'd carried on with just complete disregard for the feeling of the Jewish people. So when, this, when these religious leaders bring this man Jesus along who's upset them, Pilate's natural inclination was not to help them. He asks, what charges are you bringing against this man? It was obvious they didn't want a fair trial. They wanted Jesus dead. And Pilate was pointing out to them that they would have to convince him because he was the only person who could decide if anyone should die. He first of all tells them to, to judge Jesus by their own law, knowing full well, of course, that that couldn't lead to Jesus' death. And uh, when Pilate gets around to questioning Jesus himself, he asks him, are, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus concedes that he is head of a kingdom, but not kingdom of this world. And Pilate concludes that Jesus is not the head of a kingdom that in any way would threaten his position. 
So he goes back to the crowd and announces, I find no basis for any charges against him. Now, Pilate should have stopped there, declared Jesus innocent, and the morally correct decision would have been arrived at. But the pressure from the crowd was getting to him. He he may well have been worried that the Jewish leaders would report him to the emperor for not dealing with accusations of treason properly. And he starts to weaken. He's on the back foot. But there were still some things he could do. There was a tradition that a prisoner could be released each Passover season, so so offer them Jesus. That's clever, because that would give the, the Jews the impression that Pilate regarded Jesus as a criminal, but it would also give Pilate a chance to release a man he knew was innocent. Then both sides would be happy, and uh, Pilate wouldn't have lost face. Pilate, you are a genius. But it didn't work. The essence of the custom was the release of a popular prisoner, and Jesus was anything but popular with this particular mob. They weren't the joyous crowd that we read about on Palm Sunday, waving palms and shouting Hosanna. Those people had probably been off taking part in the Passover celebrations at the time. This this was in all likelihood a a hand-picked mob that the Jewish leaders got together to achieve their own ends. They had their candidate ready, a, a man called Barabbas. He was in prison for insurrection and murder and probably waiting for a rather unpleasant end. And Pilate's clumsy proposal to release Jesus was drowned in shouts of Barabbas. Now Pilate's getting flustered. It doesn't help that, as Matthew tells us in his Gospel account, that he gets a message from his wife at this particular point. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal in a dream because of him. There's an important message there for for most of us. Always listen to what your wife says. (laughs) But but Pilate still had one more idea he could use. He he could have had him flogged, and maybe that would make the Jewish leaders happy. But no, nothing but crucifixion was good enough. If you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar, they shouted. And fear of the word getting back to Caesar, that he'd released Jesus, seems to have got to him. And although Pilate's desperate to set Jesus free, the fear of the Jews made him buckle. He hands Jesus over to be crucified, knowing that Jesus was innocent. But the pressure from the crowd made him do the wrong thing. So that's Pilate. Now we come to consider the position of Jesus in all of this. He was there on a mission that his father had sent him to undertake. And that was to defeat the power of death. Because people hadn't led that perfect life that God had planned for them, they would inevitably suffer eternal separation from God, which we call death. And they wouldn't be able to enjoy that wonderful future that God had got for them. And the plan was that Jesus would allow himself to be killed and then rise from the dead, defeating the power of death. And that would enable all of those people who loved God, who loved Jesus, to be spared that separation, that punishment, if you like, and to be able to enjoy this wonderful life. Now, there's no way Jesus was looking forward to what he had to do. 
You remember that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. But he concluded, yet not what I will, but what you will. He could have escaped this ordeal. He could have escaped being captured. But no, he had to be obedient to his father. So, so when, first of all, the Jewish leaders and then Pilate asked him their questions, he wasn't in the slightest bit interested in defending himself, as you might in a criminal trial. Many of the questions he was asked, he just didn't answer. His sole motivation was to be obedient to his father. So those are the three parties in this dramatic action in today's passage. But we need to ask ourselves a question here, and that is, can I see anything of myself in any of them? Let's think about those Jewish leaders again. Their one objective was to blot Jesus out of their lives. He'd shown them up for what they were. And there are people in this world at this time who would like to blot Jesus out of their lives because he shows them up. Jesus described himself as being the light of the world. You know, sometimes we use a flickering candle to remind us of that, but I've never been too convinced, actually, by that. You see, the, the trouble is that the light that Jesus brings, it's much more like a blazing searchlight that lights up every square inch of a darkened room. I, I'm responsible for um, dusting in our house, and I know that if I finish the dusting and my wife comes along and turns on a very bright light in the room. It will show up every speck of dirt, every cobweb, and every stain. And that's what Jesus does in our lives. He can see right into our hearts. And many people would rather keep hidden all those dark spots in their lives, and they'd rather just try to blot Jesus out. But if we know Jesus as Lord, we know we don't need to snuff him out and hide all those dark spots. John, in his first epistle, said if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We don't need to shut Jesus out. We can open the door and let Jesus come into our lives and he, he will purify us. He will make us right with him. Well, how about Pilate? Are we like him? He was obviously somebody perceptive enough to know that Jesus was innocent. He said so several times, but then the pressure of the crowd got to him, and he started to be fearful of the mob around him, and he worried he might be reported to the emperor and lose his job for not dealing with a case of treason properly, so he caved in to the mob's demands. Are we ever like that? We know what the right thing to do in our situation might be, but the pressure from the crowd makes us do the wrong thing. Maybe at work we're encouraged to follow practices that are a bit dodgy, but we're worried that we might lose our job or missing out on a promotion. So we go along with it. Maybe our group of friends are involved in things that we know aren't good and healthy, but we don't want to lose our friends. So we go along with that as well. And we get sucked into doing something that we know lets Jesus down. It takes courage to stand against the crowd. 
We can see some of that happening in the parable of the sower. Some seed fell amongst thorns which grew up and choked the plant. Jesus describes that seed as being like people who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. It was good seed that. You can't criticize the seed, but it got suffocated by what was around it and it couldn't grow. Are we allowing the affairs of the world to stop God being fruitful in our lives? Well, how about Jesus? Are we like him? Jesus' sole objective was to do the will of his Father with no concern for his personal glory. In fact, it was the sole objective of his whole life. Right at the beginning of his ministry, the devil tried to knock him off course by pointing out what he could achieve in earthly terms with the incredible gifts that he'd been given. And he'd responded, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. At the end of, it, end of his ministry, he thanked God for giving him his disciples. He said, You gave them to me and they obeyed your word. And when the biggest test of all came up, could he escape crucifixion? The answer was no. I must obey my Father. So if we're to be like Jesus, we will obey God without any concern for our personal glory. It'd be very easy for me to stop there, of course, but most of us would probably, no, probably all of us, have probably wrestled with the, top, the, the big question, how do I know what God wants me to be doing? I can't be obedient if I'm not sure what God's will is for me. Well, this isn't a sermon on guidance, unfortunately, but I'll, I'll leave you with one thought on this, those great verses from Romans chapter 12. Let's have a look at those on the screen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Offer yourselves unconditionally. Be prepared to do whatever God wants you to do. That's what Jesus did. And that's the first step to knowing what God's will is in your life. So three people or, or groups of people in today's event, which, which one are you most like? But there was one more person in this passage today, Barabbas. You know, we don't know what happened to him afterwards. He might have disappeared into the crowd and restarted his work of trying to cause trouble for the Romans. He might have gone a long way away as quickly as possible to get out of the way of trouble. We just don't know. But if we can allow our imaginations to wander for a moment, perhaps we can see him later going on up to Calvary and seeing Jesus hanging on the cross. And he may well have thought, that should have been me. That man has taken the punishment that should have been mine. Isaiah predicted many years before he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed 
for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, help us not to be like those religious leaders wanting to shut Jesus out. Help us not to be like Pilate, letting the affairs of the world stop him doing the right thing. Help us to be like Jesus, ready and willing to do your will in our lives, no matter what the cost. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.